Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schluter. I'm your host, Dominic, and I'm thrilled you've clicked on today's episode because this one has been a long time in the making since July, to be exact. I have the great privilege of speaking with your most recent NCAA cross-country champion, Charles Hicks. Yes, you heard that right. I got the man, the myth, the legend on the podcast right after this monumental accomplishment. Charles and I sit back and have a conversation surrounding everything it took for him to achieve this dream he set out to accomplish this past summer. We discuss the ups, downs, and everything in between. We talk about all who made this possible, the race itself, Audastra, and how his teammates have pushed him to be the best version of himself. Needless to say, this is a must-listen-to podcast, and I hope you all enjoy it as much as we did having the conversation. And if you do enjoy it, I would greatly appreciate you sharing the show with a friend or two or on social media and then giving us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It legitimately takes five seconds to do and greatly helps us reach new listeners. Before we get into today's podcast, I would like to mention that it is brought to you by Gooder. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses that don't slip, don't bounce, and are 100% polarized. Guys, Gooders, I talk about them all the time. They're one of my favorite running products. They are truly remarkable sunglasses at such a cheap price. Sure, you can go buy nice sunglasses for, I don't know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks. But what makes Gooder really shine through is how cheap they are at $25 a pair. And actually, as of recording this, Gooder currently is running their Black Friday and Cyber Monday deal where they're having 20% off site-wide, which they've actually never done before. So it's the first sale of its kind. So you can get 20% off, but you can also use our code to get free shipping. There's really no risk in buying a pair because there's a one-year warranty, 30-day free returns, and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. You can go to gooder.com slash the running effect to get free shipping. Again, find your pair at gooder.com slash the running effect and get free shipping today. Okay, without further ado, enjoy my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Charles Hicks. Charles Hicks, this has been a long time in the making. I joke with people that this has been the hardest interview to coordinate. I think I shot you a message in July. And here we are. We're getting it done. We're giving the people what they want. I'm kind of glad we waited, as we'll get to. But Charles, it's an absolute pleasure to say you're coming on my podcast and to have you here today. So how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here, man. I mean, you're always up in the Strava comments, you know, reminded me to post YouTube videos, stuff like that, which is super helpful. So uh, yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and I'm, I'm glad the stars finally aligned. Yeah, let's just start with Strava, I guess, while we're, while we're at it. This past summer, you were just absolutely a menace. Like you were just grinding, the 10 mile tempos were incredible. What was it like being able to interact with a big audience in that way and be able to show people the work it takes to be at the level that you're at? Oh, super fun. I mean, with most stuff like that, like social media, you know, you know, it's a slippery slope. So I always just try and make sure that like, it's something I'm doing for fun. First and foremost, you know, the training's coming first and uh, you can either take it or leave it basically. But um, at the same time, you know, I was just having such a great time building that kind of like community and seeing, you know, what people latched onto and, and what people enjoyed, whether it was like titles, descriptions, stuff like that. Um, and it was just fun, you know, like I go out for so many runs where you know, if my friends, you know, back in Jacksonville were doing as much mileage, I just have a lot of time to think. And I, I spent time thinking, you know, I wonder what I'm going to title this run. Uh, 
you know, sometimes I'd, I'd figure it out on the run or I'd, I'd see something afterwards that, that made me laugh or something. Uh, but it was just really gratifying um, to kind of have something that was so, you know, wholesome uh, on top of, of something that's so productive for me, you know, which is, is distance running. So let's just knock out one of the listener questions within like the first minute of the podcast. The question was uh, late night runs or early morning runs. And that's particularly an interesting question for people who follow you on Strava and will see some of your ridiculous timing of runs. <laughs> yeah. So I'm obviously late night runs. Uh, that's, that's pretty much my, my MO. Um, something about just like seeing the sunset, and then just having like less people out and about just it's just really nice for me especially you know when i'm out in florida it's not really much of a choice i think a lot of people try and avoid the heat by going early but then for me it's like you're stretching out in the sun um and i would just want to get out of there but but something about it being at night makes me feel like you know i just got all the time in the world um as long as i'm you know 100 percent dedicated to running right which, you know over the summer i usually am um but yeah, it's just it's just nice. It feels so peaceful, and it, it kind of feels like you know I'm the only person in the world out there, uh, and it's super fun. So let's go back to I mean we we can cover so many things within this podcast, but let's go back to the beginning of the summer. Your track season ends. What's the conversation that happens with Santos about what you want to accomplish this cross country season? I know you kind of documented a little bit through your YouTube channel talking about building up to 100 mile weeks, and clearly you had a plan going into this season. So lay the foundation for this season in talks with your coach and even yourself about what you wanted to accomplish and what the plan was going to be to accomplish those goals. Totally. So my favorite thing about uh, Coach Santos is he's kind of the guy that opens doors for you. He doesn't really push you through them. Um, you know, when I say that, I'm sort of referencing, you know, certain opportunities uh, that he's he's he really helps you, you get to, um, but then it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to actually do them. So for me, this past summer, you know, I had a very solid uh, junior year, you know, all through from cross country to track, but I kind of wanted, I felt like if I wanted to, to give myself a shot to really win anything in the NCAA circuit, um, I needed a big block of training. So there were some meets, you know, we talked about maybe being able to do over the summer that were really cool opportunities. Um, but there, there was like European track championships, stuff like that. But, um, you know, we kind of just had to take a deep breath, sit down and uh decide you know what we wanted to do over the next year and for me that was just improve and the way that i always improve the most is when i just put my head down i'm able to train for tons of miles for a super long time and not really worry about racing for a couple months and that way i can kind of like put myself over the edge without worrying about having to you know bring that to the track and, and run fast so that was kind of the first decision was was just prioritizing training over summer 100 percent um essentially putting all our eggs in in uh, cross country season, indoor and, and outdoor in the NCAA circuit. And um, the first part of that has paid off, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, it was really just, just moving up volume, keeping things you know consistent with what we've done previously, but uh, building on the foundation that we built over, over the last couple of years and uh, making sure we hit some new highs, which is awesome. I'm just curious, very, very, very few percentage of my listeners and less like some of my friends who've been on the podcast who listen to the podcast are listening and I'm sure they've gone through similar things, but will ever understand what it's like to run the mileage you did and put in the work that you did. Can you kind of try breaking down just how much you had to sacrifice this past summer 
to be able to accomplish this training in hopes of winning an NCAA title? Absolutely. Um, and the first reason it's really hard to, to conceptualize is because this isn't a this isn't something you could really think about in the isolated context of this past summer. You know, the only reason I was able to do this is because of you know what I've done over the past you know six plus years uh, developing my body. You know, as a young athlete to constantly be able to handle more mileage. Um, if I'd like never trained the past six years and just decided to run 105 miles a week, you know, I, it would probably be almost impossible. But for me, it was really just, um, it felt a lot like, like the jumps I'd made previously, uh, time-wise, you know, I was, I was fully committed to running, so there weren't too many issues there. Um, but what it really feels like is that first week you're doing runs that are, that are longer than, than any runs you were really doing before and you're doing your previous long run pretty much every day of the week um the first week is isn't so bad when you run 105 uh because you're just kind of like pushing through it it's pretty hard but then that second week you're feeling that first week starts to get a little sluggish third week you start to get really sluggish but then the way that coach santos likes to train us is letting us come back down a little bit that fourth week and so we're in these kind of four week cycles where where it feels like when you're getting to that point where you're almost your spirits essentially breaking, you get a little respite and you get a start again over the next four week cycle by, uh, I think we came back down to like 85 miles pretty much. Um, so really it's just layering all that on the first two cycles. So the first eight weeks are really hard, but then what's crazy is it, it actually, in my opinion, becomes easier than running say like 60, 65 a week. Um, especially when you get into the postseason, because you just get so fit that the miles stop feeling like really anything. They just start mushing all together, and your your body's just it almost feels the way I describe it to my friends. It's like my legs just feel like inorganic. Essentially, there's like no burning. There's like no nothing, just because they could just eat up mileage. Um, so it's it's a bit of both. It's it's like like the opposite of procrastination. You get the tough part out of the way, and then the rest of the year really isn't that bad. So I talked about this with Coach Santos on the podcast I did with him, and we were talking about, I was asking Coach Santos the question, like, how do you how do you coach guys like Charles where they're not necessarily performing where they would like to be in the middle of the season, but you know it's for a purpose, to be ready at the most important meet of the season. Like, so f- breaking it down you know, the Oklahoma State Cowboy Jamboree or whatever it's called, and then you got Nutty Comb. I'm sure you would have loved to win and compete for those for those races. But reality is, is your legs were tired from training and you were still putting in the work to hopefully become the national champion in November. So I was asking Coach Santos, how do you how do you coach that and coach patience in an athlete? I'm curious from your perspective, how do you mentally try to stay patient when you see when you know that you could be probably winning these races or at least in contention to win them but you're not but also you're you're banking on that it's going to pay off in november but you don't know if that's the case yeah i think every distance runner at every level sort of has to deal with that sort of fear and indecision where you're there's a little disparity between where you're at and where you want to be um but you you don't know if that's going to sort of go away as you get into the postseason you don't know if maybe you're just not fit actually you don't know if it's if it's fatigue or maybe you're not sleeping enough maybe you're not yada 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 there's just so much that contributes to an athlete's life it's really hard to tie that down to one variable so for me it's just a lot easier to kind of push that all away and put put uh my faith in my coaching 
Um, I'm not going to pretend like there weren't moments, you know, where I was, I was starting to sweat a little bit. I know after nutty comb, I think I was talking to coach in the tent after the race and I was just like, just feels like I don't have it on that last like hundred meters, but it wasn't like I was thrown in the towel. I was like, man, I wish I had that. We need to have that right now. It was more just informing him, you know, what I feel like and essentially like asking him, you know, is there a plan for us to work on that? If not, is there something maybe we can integrate to do that? Um, but, you know, coach and I have had so many seasons together now that at this point, and he's so good at peaking us at the right time that it's just, if he says, which in that 10, he was like, don't worry, we'll get it. Like that, that's pretty much it. That's all I need to hear. Um, and so he said like, don't worry, we'll get it. And um, right after that, I think it was the pack 12s. And I started coming off of those 105 mile weeks. I started running 85 and my legs just felt like electric. It was unbelievable. It was just so, I felt so much like lighter and springier and, and they just felt like they weren't getting beat down as bad. And then after that point, I was like, okay, we, we've got a real shot to do something special here. Um, and then we kept coming down and then yeah, it all worked out. So I was just on my phone a minute ago trying to find a quote, and I think the quote, well, I couldn't find it, but I think the quote goes something like, um, medals are earned in the off season. You simply just run the race to go pick them up. Um, and I personally completely agree with that. I'm curious from your perspective in relation to that quote, when you're putting in all that work, all that mileage, and you show up to Stanford's campus, are you confident that you can win a title that you're going to accomplish this goal that you've set for yourself or is it still a little bit unsure as you step on to uh, campus and you see other guys putting in work as well what's your what's your thought process there um it's it's actually like for me it's a bit of the opposite when i see how strong my guys are it makes me think you know i have a way better shot because it's the quality of the guys that i have to train with they're going to help me reach new heights stuff like that um but then on the flip side you know just knowing how talented my opponents are it nothing nothing at all or at any point uh until i was in those last five meters at ncaa's did i think anything was locked in or guaranteed you know i think maybe some medals are in, in the off season but what i really think you do in the off season is you buy yourself a ticket um and you can't win the lottery if you don't buy one so i even think you know looking back on that race there's different ways that race could have played out and i i could have potentially not one i think you know with nico and true making that big move um things became very simple very early uh but it's hard to say what would happen if it was just a huge pack you know people trip people fall crazy things happen so the best part about cross country is in my opinion is that nothing's guaranteed so there's no sense of security there and that kind of helped me you know make sure i didn't slack off at all you know i tried to hit the higher end of all my mileage ranges you know even when i was still on campus and then you know, I just tried to be as close to perfect as I possibly could be, um, just out of respect for the guys that I knew I'd be racing against. There's a quote that I really love from James Clear. He's the author of a book called Atomic Habits, and his quote is, Life is a series of trade-offs, and greater results usually require greater trade-offs. The question is not, do you want to be great at this? The question is, what are you willing to give up in order to be great at this? I'm sure it's kind of hard to put into words, but how much did you have to give up in order to 
be your best version of yourself this season. You see it in the summer when I'm sure you're skipping out on stuff to be properly recovered, to hit 105-mile weeks. I'm sure you see it on campus when there are all the distra- all the distractions of college life that you might want to do, but you're, you're li- dialed in, you're locked in, you know what you want to do. How much did you have to give up in sacrifice in order to be your best self last weekend? Absolutely. I mean, over summer, you know, there's that typical push for things like internships, you know, summer jobs, stuff like that. And there really just wasn't time in the week for me um, to do things like that. And I was I was willing to take the gamble, you know, but I'd had previous uh, previously very strong results that I felt like, you know, were indicators that it might be worth it. Um, so there were sacrifices there uh, a little bit. But, you know, I just love running so much. None of it really feels like I'm giving anything up. Um, I think if I really did make any sacrifices, it would have been a couple of years ago. I kind of have been set on this path, you know, I think since really since the beginning of my sophomore year of college um, and just prepared for to go wherever it takes me. Um, and so, yeah, I think back then, you know, I had to have a hard look in the mirror of like how I wanted to live my life and, and what things I wanted to engage in and, and what things, you know, would, would be able to lift me as high as I as I really wanted to go. and and. So it's been it's been a long time, I think, since I was really thinking about things as, you know, sacrifices or what I wanted to do and what I wanted to what I wanted to accomplish. And and at this point, it just feels very natural. It's just it's just, you know, what I want to do is is go out and run and, and feel as good as I can the next day, recover as much as I can, spend time with the people, you know, that make me feel good and, and, and that I can, you know, make feel good about themselves and uh, just just focus on being as happy as I can today and tomorrow. Let's talk about the the team a bit. I remember going back to Strava, as I'm sure we will a few times. I remember you did a 10-mile tempo and some ridiculous pace, and I think the description or the title was something like, you know, watching my boys put in the work this summer makes this kind of work easy. Just the whole idea that them working as hard as possible is elevating you to work as hard as possible. Can you talk about the team and even your coach, Coach Santos, how much they elevate you to be your best version of yourself? And even like guys like Cole and Kai, how you guys all work with one another really in order to be the best versions of yourself every single day? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's an easy question to answer because I think, you know, it's interesting to watch us all kind of like we're all at different stages in our in our collegiate careers. Um but you know we're all very similar so there's there's a lot of advice and stuff we can pass on between each other um either things as an older guy who you remember from where you were younger or unique perspectives you have as a younger guy looking up and that that uh that extends to everyone on the team you know regardless of uh where you're at but um obviously you know the faster you are uh the more you're going to run together the more you're going to work out together and guys like you know cole kai thomas rob devin mika you know, um, Evan and Nolan as well. Um, we just run these unbelievable workouts. And I think it's less about, you know, talent or fitness, but just, just everybody really wants to, to gun it on the day. And there's just this great, you know, competitive energy, you know, sometimes people get a little bit riled up, but that's just, you know, how it's going to be when you get a big group of guys out there. And, um, I think coach Santos does a great job of managing that and also sort of harnessing that, making sure, you know, he doesn't, um, you know, shut us down when we're, when we're kind of doing something exceptional, but also make sure that we're not overextending ourselves and getting too tired by the end of the season. Um, and we're obviously still a work in progress as well. Um, you know, this, this, uh, regime air quotes is, uh, 
it's only been as around around as long as I have, you know, at Stanford. So um, I think things are heading in just an unbelievable direction. And uh, we've obviously got some great guys coming in. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. There are so many quotes out there basically talking about how meaningful the the journey is, the walk is, rather than like the peak uh, when you get to the outcome. How meaningful was this past season, practices with the guys, workouts with the guys? What was that journey like? And, and looking back on those really hard training weeks of mileage and hard workouts, uh, so many hill repeats and 10-mile tempos, what's it like looking back on those times now, removed from it, and, and reflecting on those those special days? of the journey working towards what you accomplished last weekend yeah i I think the journey is absolutely you know integral in in that sense and and the accomplishment allows you to as you say sit back and and recontextualize the journey um and kind of understand you know for one every sacrifice we talked about earlier was 100 percent worth it you know all the, the effort that you put in and and the decisions you made you know they ended up being the right decisions so it's it it's like a whole another level of rose tinted glasses, you know, when you look back on it and uh, and knowing that that everything was worth it. That that's an unbelievable feeling. Um, and also, there's just a sense that that in reversing that, the accomplishment means nothing, you know, without everything that you put in. If you you know didn't train at all, you walked out onto the cross country course and you ended up first, you know, it really wouldn't mean that much. Um, but just in that moment on that home stretch, you know, I, I felt, you know, every session that the trainers had worked on me, every workout that, you know, coach had, tried, had written up for us, you know, all those those hours and hours and hours my teammates and I have spent running together, um, you know, even being back at summer, being around my parents, you know, my girlfriend and her wonderful family, they'd always cook me dinner after runs when I get back at, you know, unbelievably late at night. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's even so far beyond the college experience. You know, as, as I said before, a lot of what I was able to do this year is a product of things that, that happened, you know, four or six years ago, um, just because it all compounds together. And so, you know, I'm grateful for my high school coaches, my high school teammates. Um, and it's just literally everything, everything that, that I'd done leading up to this. Um, I wouldn't change a single thing because accomplishments like this are so rare. You can't take anything for granted. Right. There's a quote, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think you certainly see that with who you personally surround yourself with. There are people that are uplifting, people that are supporting you in your journey and in your journey of accomplishing your wildest dreams and goals. Can you speak on the importance of your support system and why it's been such an integral part of your success to surround yourself with positive and encouraging people, but also your gratitude for the people like you were talking about, like even like your family and your girlfriend's family and just how supportive they've been through the ups and downs. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so easy to doubt yourself um, in any pursuit and any obstacle you face. It's just so easy to find reasons, you know, why not? Um, and it gets so much easier to doubt yourself when there's other people doubting you as well. And there's other people telling you why you shouldn't do this, this and that, and why it's not the most logical decision. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, trying to pursue to be a, uh, a professional runner is not the most logical decision, especially you know if you're planning on getting a degree at Stanford. 
Um, but it's just, it's always what my heart wanted. It's, you know, why I went to Stanford was to try and pursue this at the highest level. You know, my parents never ever tried to force me in any direction in the college process. Um, you know, nobody in my life has really tried to step in and say, you know, you should do this, this or this, what they really, you know, do that I really appreciate is they, they see the decisions I make, you know, if it's a, it's a, if it's a really bad decision, you know, they'll let me know. Um, but it's more, you know, an effort to try and uplift me uh, to goals. I think that that you know are are in some way honorable or some way positive for me, and uh, and I feel like you know that that's just something that, that cannot be understated. It's something you know I I feel unbelievably lucky to have. I don't think I can take any credit for it. It's just you know I ended up meeting some absolutely wonderful people and and having them stick around and. Um, you know, even over summers, guys like uh, Xander Hastings, Ben Foltz, every so often Cameron Kahn, you know, hopping in and doing doing a log run with me or, you know, Xander Hastings run over 100 miles after running zero miles the previous week, just, <laughs> you know, to see if he could do it and just did every single mile with me and, and stuff like that. It's just, you can't overvalue it. Um, and I'm just unbelievably appreciative for it. And it just made the whole process that much easier and that much more enjoyable. Stanford, obviously, people who listen to this podcast will know because I've had so many accomplished Stanford runners on in the past. There's such a culture of success there. Um, and you personally, currently today, have seen so many successful individuals come out of that program and also who are in the program today. And you're also around so many other incredible, successful people. I'm curious, from your perspective of being around these successful people, what consistent what do you see consistently in high-performing individuals? Like, what attributes do you consistently see in these people? That's actually a great question. I, I think my best answer to that is that there are many roads that lead to Rome in that regard. Um, I think the key thread is just, you know, ambition and competitiveness, um, sometimes in a delusional sense. Yeah, I remember wanting to toss my, my Xbox controller through many a window losing back at, at FIFA in the day. Um, <laughs> just stuff like that. You know, I see anytime, you know, we play any kind of little game on the team, it, it just gets super intense. And, and I think, you know, part of competitiveness is rooted in, in a exceptional sense of motivation, um, a sense that, that you want to achieve something that you're willing to sacrifice or you're willing to put in a certain amount of effort to achieve. And you're not embarrassed by you know wanting to pursue something because i think it is really scary um to really say that you want to do something and then to put yourself and, and and your time and your effort on the line and and acknowledge that that it may all be for nothing eventually so i think there's a little bit of stupidity there that that we all share that's it's just we don't think about those things too much and we just we're ready to roll the dice and uh we we always believe in ourselves and and, uh, you know, I think it's admirable in that sense. But, yeah, a little bit of uh, blind optimism goes a long way. A little bit more of a fun question. I think I asked Cole something to this extent, and he shared the funny example maybe of Kai sleeping in and not getting in his morning run. Well, what are some of the guys on the team known for? Like when, when you think of guys on the team, are there any funny things that a specific guy is known for, like pushing the pace on an easy day or maybe wearing oh, yeah. a funky outfit? Like what are some, some things like that that are funny to look back on? Oh, totally. I, I, for me, I was always the guy who was late, but somehow I wasn't late to a single practice this quarter. So that's my biggest, biggest accomplishment <laughs> this season. 
Um, but I mean, when you spend that much time around guys, it's, it's you're inevitably going to notice things like that. Like, yes, Kai loves to sleep in. I think Cole's, you know, that quiet reserved guy who always says the funniest thing at the right moment, but uh, <laughs> is saying, you know, one word for every hundred that, that me and Thomas say. Uh, you know, Thomas and I, we talk nonstop. Uh, Rob, you know, is a hilarious guy. He's he's known for being, um, sorry, a little voice crack there. <laughs> he's known for being, uh, you know, very aggressive in workouts and, and, you know, competing to the last breath. You know, Devin, you know, he likes to roll the dice. Um, he's he's a very, like, main character energy kind of runner. You know, Mika is like the mountain guy. You know, he goes out to the wilderness and survives for like weeks at a time, which is nuts. Um, and yeah, uh, everybody's got their own thing, you know, and it's 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 part of what makes the culture so fun to be around is it's it's very individualistic team that, that knows how to work together, you know, when it when it's the right time to work together. And uh, for me, I just I just really appreciate it because I think, you know, it helps us come away with a sense of self and uh, not panic so much when it's time to, you know, move on to the next phase, because I think every guy that should come out of our program should really understand, you know, what their strengths are and and how to best, you know, find something that maximizes their strengths. So those who have graduated from Stanford, I have a bunch of friends who have, there's clearly like this Stanford bond that that occurs during the four or five years that you're there. You see this, a bunch of them like Alex and Ty and Sean and Grant did it last year. They do this just stupid 200 mile race in North Carolina or something. It's stupid in a cool way. Like it's crazy. It goes throughout the night, but the Stanford team always like takes down the record every year and it's the graduates of Stanford. Uh, and there's clearly, you know, if you're flying out to North Carolina to run as fast as possible at 2 AM, like through the mountains, there's clearly a bond that's happening there. So I'm just curious from your perspective, being in it now, what makes the Stanford family special and, and what's the bond that you guys have been forming over the past few years? Absolutely. I think, you know, the main thing for all of us is, is just to share competitiveness. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what that evolves to uh, beyond, you know, being on the team. But I think, you know, with the example you just said with that race, stuff like that, uh, that shared competitiveness isn't going away anytime soon. You know, I imagine, you know, that's that's kind of what got us all here. And uh, I think that's, you know, what kind of keeps us all together is, you um, whether it's on cross country, we have our, our shared team goal, but whether it's on the track, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing and help each other, you know, get get there, you know, as best as possible. And then everything else is just, you know, being, it's just being friends, you know, and and, and it's, it's, it's been, it's an amazingly gratifying experience to, you know, work with these guys and, uh, and who are your closest friends in the world. But then it's really cemented, you know, by, by all the models we put in, you know, how similar we are to each other um, whether it's by chance or just by circumstance. And, and uh, yeah, you know, every day is a good day to be on uh, the Stanford running team. I asked Ty, uh, Ty Dinger, he graduated from Stanford a few years back, uh, what, what were the most, like, meaningful, memorable moments from his years there? And he just said, like, the little things, like the things like eating a bagel after a hard workout with friends and, yeah, just the little things in school and in running. I'm curious, from your perspective, what are the little things that you really enjoy that you'll look back to from this past season as being particularly, like, memorable and meaningful? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll remember you know, all kinds of silly stuff, like whether it's just taking too much time to get ready for a workout, everyone's just, just lounging around, talking a little bit, you know, the sun comes out, you know, cause it's a early Friday morning and it's just, you know, a beautiful day out at, at Baylands. 
um you know it's discovering a new loop with your friends you know having kai negotiate you into into doing a unspeakably strange run um <laughs> and sometimes it's the best run in the world sometimes you know you're wishing the whole time you just did a, a loop you already do um most of the times best run in the world um you know it's it's uh it is you know stuff like that just like like dinners you know out we have this really nice place called athlete dining that's new and sitting outside of there just talking about stuff talking making plans for uh uh social dynamics stuff like that um yeah i mean i'll i'll always remember the the whole process you know whenever whenever it ends up being over that's a big old question mark but um <laughs> yeah it's 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 so fun to be on that you know it makes decisions for the future that much harder easier and harder because you know it feels like a win-win in every direction so i'll i'll probably remember everything but for me i i I don't know if it's if it's restricted to just the little things like i feel like i remember the big things the most like traveling to meet stuff like that i'll never forget the 10 mile tempos at baylands i mean those are just my favorite you know coach screaming to watch the bridge you know (laughs) when we come up on this this absolutely horrific uh, like 90 degree turn uh where you can't see like people biking towards you the other direction and we're going you know below five minute pace so yeah it's just it's just everything you know really is is what i'll remember it and this is without a doubt um a decision i have had absolutely no regrets about you know coming out west to stanford there's one strava run that has made uh the the rounds from me personally in different group chats uh whether it be with sean and elise or, or other people and it was a run it was a shakeout the day or the same day as a workout but it was a shakeout in the afternoon and uh you were, the the title was 113 miles in seven days and then the description which really got me was you said what unfolds in november will not be for lack of trying break down that quote in that mindset on october 21st when you wrote that looking back now having everything happen probably as you wanted it to looking back on that quote break that down for us first of all that's so awesome i totally forgot about that so i really appreciate you that bringing that back up because that's yeah um so what happened with that week actually is I, that was a 105 mile week, technically, because we go Monday to Sunday, but I'd had to finish off a race week with a 17 mile Saturday, and I'd had to do a decent amount somehow the previous, or no, sorry, so it was from ending on that Saturday, it was 113 miles over seven days, essentially, um, just because I had to catch up a ton and, and uh it just felt like like you know i'd spent so many weeks in a row since june doing crazy stuff like that to make sure you know no matter what i was still within the mileage range you know never flinching from hitting the higher end of the range and you know every time i felt like something was popping up you know injury wise i worked through it with the physios and just had to kind of blindly trust that that it would go away and that i wasn't doing too much um so just hitting that over and over and over and over and over again throughout the year nonstop and then getting to that week where you know i'd raced a ton i was starting to get beat down here and there you know i didn't know if i was going to be able to actually win it but i kind of realized it didn't matter because you know so much of of what what actually happens you know on november is is the preparation that you put in and the only thing you can really control is the process and how hard you're going to run on that day. So 
if anything crazy happened or if you know maybe i'd overextended myself just from from trying too hard i i, I don't really think i could be disappointed in something like that you know um, your kind of ability to push yourself beyond um is really you know what i value with this sport so the kind of the idea behind that description was it was kind of making my peace with whatever outcome because i knew no matter what on the day of the race i was going to try you know with every fiber of my being to win it and at that point in the season i'd already done essentially everything i could to put myself in the best position to win it so it was kind of just realizing that that the only thing you could do is control what you can control and uh what happened in November was not for lack of trying. Right, right. Um, I'm curious, one training question, I guess. Was there a particular workout that you completed and you thought, wow, I'm I'm definitely in, in contention to win a national title that really instilled you with confidence that like, hey, I can take blows from anyone on this course. I can go with moves from Nico if he ends up doing it, which ended up happening, stuff like that. Was there a workout that gave you confidence or was it more so the culmination of running so many 100-mile weeks back to back to back to back um, that, that gave you that confidence? Yeah, there were all kinds of workouts that built, built confidence throughout the season. There was definitely no workout where I was like, I'm going to win this race. I know... The workout before regionals, I, you know, looked coach in the eyes and was like, coach, I've never been this fit before in my life because we were just clicking. We moved it to the track because it was raining a little bit and we were just clicking paces and, you know, it felt like I was jogging, you know, when I used to really, really be trying to, to, to hit those times. Um, but it was also stuff early in the year, like with the 10 mile tempos, I'd kind of be bringing it down to 440 um, when we go through kind of the five mile marker going to the second five mile loop. But I, I was, I was kind of just like, I wasn't gunning it. The way I used to do it is just, you know, pushing balls to the wall, like you're grinding up a hill or into the wind, just like all out sprinting, you know, heart rate pushing 210 and, <laughs> and you feel like you're going to explode and try and hold that on. But I was just really like putting one leg in front of the other, just extending my stride a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm running 440s. Um, and so I just, and that ended up, you know, the, the, the NCAA race was around 437 pace. And so that ended up being, you know, one of those crucial things, you know, I needed to have come together for me. Um, but it was really just, you know, a sense that I'd improved a ton, but you have no idea, you know, how much every other guy in the country's improved over summer. I've heard some insane statistics about, you know, guys like Alex Meyer were running um, in the summer. And it's just, you know, you don't know if it's going to be enough, but um, it was, it was everything I had to give and, uh, I knew I'd, I'd put myself in a good position. Yeah. You talked about hearing stories of what other guys are doing. I'm curious how important to you is it to focus on yourself and focus on your team and kind of channel out the noise from the outside world of what guys are doing, or even when you get in the season and you see teams putting up really nice scores at meets or runners doing impressive workouts. Um, there's a quote that I always bring up comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it's so important to really be focused on yourself and focused on your own process and your own potential and work towards the best version of yourself. So for you personally, why was that important to, to focus on yourself and kind of tune out the outside noise? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, a really big thing for me is always just to be realistic. Like I do kind of check up on, on where other people are at. Cause you know, I think it's, it's, it's pretty crucial to, to know what the race is going to look like in November. And I guess what's interesting is it didn't really matter all that much because 
the race didn't play out like in any capacity how I thought it would. But it just still helps me feel a little bit confident to, you know, have my ducks in a line and, and have some vague idea of where people are and not get too invested in those kinds of results because um, you don't know if someone's just holding back on the day. But um, I definitely don't shut off uh, sort of what's going on on like that. Um, but I also don't let it really affect me or, or kind of change the way that I'm training. That's, I think, the biggest the biggest place where some people can get into trouble is not necessarily looking where other people are, but thinking, wow, what, how should what other people are doing affect what I'm doing right now? Uh, that is just, you know, something that, that I don't, that I avoid at all costs. And uh, I think the biggest, the biggest reason I'm able to do that is just by looking at, at what Coach Santos' training, you know, has done for me in the past and also what it's done for other people and knowing that, that, you know, I got nothing to worry about on that front. You know, I don't need to be looking at what other athletes are doing because I know that that what coaches got planned for me, you know, is is a great path to success. So let's kind of break down the race now. Stepping on the line, how confident were you? What did you think? How did you think the race was going to play out? And then maybe take us through that initial move of Nico and Drew going and then you deciding to uh, go with them. Yeah, it's nuts because it was it was like that for so long, just the three of us up there. And I just remember going out the first uh like straightaway was was really tough um i mean usually ncaa's you're everybody's breathing pretty hard just because people are so excited they want to get out fast um but you know it was pretty tough but i felt very much within myself um and i got to the front it's funny if you if you watch the beginning back i actually am right between nico and true like 30 seconds into the race so uh, it was just a, a good stroke of luck there but then I remember we kind of came around the turn. And I just saw Nico striding away, and I—it was faster than I could cover, you know, immediately. But I just had a moment where I was like, "There's got to be a reason he's doing this." You know, that team is so well drilled, and and they execute team racing so well and so conservatively that there's no way that they're really overextending themselves here. And so I was like. I'd love to be a part of whatever's going on there. <laughs> so I try to cover the move as slowly as I possibly could because, you know, that's the most energy efficient way to catch back up to someone. Um, I was patiently kind of worked my way back up there. And I think Drew kind of went with me um, and then ended up passing me to get right up with Nico. And then from that point on, it was just so simple. It was just hanging on, you know, making sure I didn't uh, go too hard at any point in the race or I'd be uncomfortable, like on the downhills felt like they were going pretty aggressively on them and then slowing down on the uphills. And to me, it didn't feel like the easiest way to run that course. So I would kind of let them go a little bit um, when we run downhill and then work my way up uh, just the way that felt best for me, you know, when we were going up the hills. Um, and sometimes I would end up like a little in front of them and uh, then they would just take it right back. Um, and so there was kind of like that, that game of cat and mouse. You know, I also tried to look for windy parts of the course kind of tuck in when it was windy and uh and uh, essentially bide my time and i think you know the big thing for me was the 5k marker and i talked with my coach about that going into the race i didn't think it would play out quite how it did but i knew that the 5k marker would be you know an exceptional breaking point because back in march funnily enough i was i was slotted in uh sort of an nau diamond with uh Luis Grijalva, abdi nur blaze farrow and nico young and I remember at the 5K marker, they put in a surge very similarly to the one they did um, 
just a couple of days ago and i got broken there and then i could not get over those hills the second time around and you know i think a lot luckily a lot of people were really struggling so i didn't drop back too far but um you know i felt like if i could cover that move uh the move that that, that broke me previously then then i i had a really good shot at winning so they really went it looked like drew i think you know surged right at that 5k marker and that that second time we were on the straightaway i was able to kind of let him go cover it um and then get really right behind them again when we went up a little hill then we headed into those that last hilly section and and you know i was like i really wanted to push from from like 1k out so i was kind of just biding my time biding my time but then there was just one hill where i kind of got i i passed them a little bit on the uphill and it would have just been too much to like let off the gas and have them catch back up so i was like i guess we're doing it <laughs> um and i think they caught back up and then it, we did another hill they caught back up and then when we were getting out that last one we went over the 1k marker and i just decided it was it was now or never um it felt like i was really pulling away really pulling away and then all of a sudden on the sideline i hear this one guy who goes uh shoot he's like there's one point in it there's one point in it and i was like damn he's definitely gonna come back like there's no way nico lets me you know just just run away with this and runs it conservatively if, if the team race is that tight um because you know i just have a ton of respect for him as an athlete i know how well he's able to redline and i know that you know if he's got a chance at putting his team in the best position he's going to take it so then i kind of took a more cautious approach to that final uphill before the stretch you know i was going into the wind i knew he was going to push like make a big push just to to try and catch up to me you know do whatever he could to catch up to me and so i sustained the effort without really getting into my kick kind of waited 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 for him to get up on my shoulder and then right before we got into the turn i kind of started a real kick again um and i think you know that was kind of in my head the best way of of kind of ending the race because i think it's really really hard to put that much effort into catching someone and then immediately the second you get there having them take off again um it's you could kind of like restore that belief if you get a run with them for a little bit you could pass them maybe like catch your breath a little bit so i kind of wanted to go you know the second he got me um and then i was saving a final gear on the home stretch but i was just pulling away um and then you know i still didn't think i had it fully still didn't think i had it fully. you could see me check back he checks back at the same time and then there just got to be a point where i realized i was too close to the finish for anything else to happen and you know i wasn't thinking about celebrating or anything i just wanted to get across that line and uh you know secure this thing that i've been trying to do for so long um and then it was over today's podcast is brought to you by exact health exact health is a sports physical therapy app for the most common running injuries the app simplifies access to professional and customized physical therapy without long waiting times and costs. Exact Health offers individualized plans that automatically adapt to your feedback, which is truly incredible. Over 15,000 runners have already healed their running injuries like Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, and so many other injuries with the Exact Health app. The plans on Exact Health are designed by world-class physical therapists with the intent in mind of helping you guys to get back on the ground running. And also, if you aren't 
uh, injured currently. They also have a state-of-the-art prevention plan for runners that really introduces you into strength and mobility, um, helps you to adopt good movement patterns, and is really a baseline for amazing strength training that will keep you strong and healthy and hopefully avoid these injuries. As of recording this, I've actually been dealing with some shin pain and I downloaded the Exact Health app and that has definitely helped with the pain and helped me understand the pain a little bit more and some of the exercises I can do to strengthen that area so that it will go away eventually. I highly recommend you all give out this app a try. It's truly incredible, a very easy to use platform and has some amazing resources for both you when you're injured, but also, as I just mentioned, to um, adopt good movement patterns and just stay strong in general. So you guys can visit the link in the show notes of any episode for a quick link to download the app or just go to your app store and search Exact Health, spelled E-X-A-K-T Health, in your app store and download the app today to try it out and hopefully feel better. So what are the emotions that you feel when you cross the finish line and you realize that all the hard work you you put in this past summer and this past season and all the patience that you displayed throughout the season finally paid off? You could kind of see it in your face, just the, the look of relief. What was that moment like and what was going through your head when you crossed the finish line? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It felt like, you know, I could really feel every single mile ran, every single, you know, thing leading up to that uh, accomplishment in those last like 10 meters. It was all just like compressed into that moment. Um, and then crossing the finish line, really, I was just kind of watching the team race from there. Um, and then kind of just like delayed really experiencing it just because I wanted to see, you know, kind of how that turned out. And unfortunately, you know, it wasn't quite in our favor, but, um, just you know i mean it's been a it's been a week since the race and almost every day of this week has just been you know dang i really can't believe that actually happened i really can't believe that actually <laughs> happened but uh it's slowly starting to sink in that that it did and also you know it's it's weird to like i've seen so many photos and, and videos and stuff from the race it's hard to like really think that that you know that's me in in, in those things because it's just you know it's something i used to watch when i was when i was a lot younger and and can't believe that couldn't believe that it would ever be, you know, me. So yeah, the feeling is, it's a little bit half of disbelief. So it's hard to say what the actual feeling is. And hopefully when I start figuring it out, I'll, I'll be able to experience it a little better. But uh, yeah, it's just really awesome. Was there a moment where you saw Coach Santos or your family or your girlfriend that really stuck out to you as, as being meaningful and, and sharing this accomplishment with the very ones who helped you bring about this thing? Oh, all of them were so uh, important to me. You know, I think for coach, especially, uh, I've always just really wanted to, you know, I think there were a lot of doubts um, just surrounding the whole program when, you know, I was signing on as a freshman and, you know, people weren't sure, you know, who would be able to actually get the job done, stuff like that. And, you know, these past four years, all I've wanted to do is shut those people up, you know, um, and, and just kind of essentially defend his name and be some kind of proof that you know coach coach santos is the real deal that we all know he is um and so i think you know to go out there and get that for him and show you know what his he's able to really accomplish you know with any any given athlete is is that meant a ton to me um obviously you know my parents who have invested so much and my girlfriend who's sacrificed a ton you know she let me go across the country these past four years and uh uh it all is just so special and so 
yeah, I'm trying to do my best to, to you know, give my props or whenever I can and, and be appreciative. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it means so much to me and it means so much to me because of, you know, what it means to other people. So um, it's been, a, it's been a fun week so far. And uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be keep being fun for a while. So I didn't realize this statistic until Sean McGordy uh, brought it up. He said that, and then I later found out that this was true. You were the first ever individual athlete from Stanford to win an individual title in cross country. Stanford, again, we brought this up so many times in this podcast has arguably the the best program of success in in running or at least one of the best programs they are producing guys like grant fisher who after this past season is in cemented as one of the greatest american distance runners of all time and he's still super young you got guys like sean mcgordy who we just talked about and really i mean the the list goes on we'd be here all day naming all of them but what does it mean to you to be the guy to to finally break this this barrier that's never been done before and, and really cement history for the program and the school that have contributed so much to you as a person. It's unbelievable for, for all the reasons you've listed. I mean, you just look at those, the record boards, you look at, at our Olympians, you look at the guys who, who've won all kinds of national championships. And, and for starters, I, I'm shocked as to how I'd never heard that statistic until, until I won the race. I mean, um, it should have been something that we were all, you know, pining away towards. I think, you know, some of my teammates knew it, but I just couldn't believe it. And I was wondering, maybe I'd heard it, but it still just didn't register because it just doesn't make sense because of how amazing, you know, all of those teams were and all of our individuals were, you know, to score something like 21 points at nationals. I, I didn't know how you could do that without um, an individual champion. And so for those reasons, it's, it's just insane. You know, I don't think in any way it puts me, you know, above any of those guys because you know they have accomplishments that i'm still you know working my butt off to try to chase down um and i just have so much respect for all of them it's 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 unbelievable and then the other side of it is i think you know as a stanford student um coming in you know my mom she was at stanford too and she talked to me about this and then when we were you know in freshman orientation they talked about this a lot of people um because of just the way stanford is get this feeling that they don't really belong um, or that, you know, they're not uh, exceptional enough at, at anything to sort of be a part of the institution. Um, it's called like imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's like a weird, it, it's so incredible. And so such a nice way to sort of, to sort of overcome that feeling to, to know that, you know, not only is there no one on this campus who's done, done that, but uh, there's no one ever on this campus who's, who's done this. Um, and it just makes me feel, you know, like a, like a brick in the wall, um, in a nice way of, of, you know, some, this institution that's done so much and, and to be able to contribute, uh, something like this, it, it just feels incredible. So on the team front, the team hasn't won since 2003, I believe it would be pretty special to do it 20 years later next year. What are your thoughts on, on, I I don't want to get too far away from what you just accomplished. And even though you guys didn't have the best day possible and some guys really struggled, really reflecting on how incredible the season was, you know, you guys did so many things in the regular season and even postseason at Pac 12s, you know, the season really still was remarkable, but looking ahead towards next year, it'd be really, really special to win 20 years later since the last time you guys won it. What are your thoughts going into to next season? If you'll be a part of that squad and, in looking at your chances of, of winning 20 years later and adding a, a team title to the mix? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there's a very good chance I'll, I'll be a part of that squad. I mean, it's so hard to walk away from, from something that I enjoy this much, um, and in a place that I enjoy doing this, or in a place that I enjoy doing it this much. Um, so, I think we're, as I've said every year, I think we're headed in a, in a fantastic direction. And I think, you know, while we didn't have the best day, I think a lot of my teammates, you know, they were absolutely in a great headspace, I think following, you know, something that we could have been, you know, hanging our heads and moping around from. Um, I think, you know, getting the win individually shows that, you know, that a sort of path, you know, that, that we can all be on to, to get to that higher level. And, and I think we know we're all capable of it. We just have to kind of, um, we just have to keep going. You know, that's the, that's the only answer. And it's the only way you get to where you want to go. Um, I don't think there's any guy here who's, who's going to, to try any less who's, or who's been beat down by, by a, a lack of, of uh, our ultimate goal. I think, you know, if anything, it's going to make us try that much harder. Um, and we've got great guys coming in, as, as I've said before. So um, it's just about keeping the belief, I think. And um, it's not something that I'm concerned about at all, you know, with this team. As I said before, the, the, the best thing we all have in common is our competitiveness and a bit of a bit of blind stupidity. And I think, <laughs> you know, none of us are going to be reeling from that too much. And uh, we're all going to be looking ahead and uh, thinking, you know, just how much can we contribute to uh, trying to win this as a team? And uh, what do we have to do to get there? So I'm not super worried about it. Um, I'm never going to be worried about this team, you know, under under its great leadership. And uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, good things will come down the road. What would uh, when you first got into running that version of Charles would would that version have believed you if if you would have told him you would have won a national championship one day? Well, the first Charles that was ever running would probably ask first, you know, why do you have an American accent? <laughs> um, and then once we got over that, uh, I think you know it's just. Yeah, I, I don't think they would ever would have believed it. I don't think, you know, even at the end of high school, I ever would have believed it. It's just, you know, I was able to do some things on the Florida scale that were really great. And uh, I was able to compete, you know, at the national level, but I wasn't, I wasn't even close to, you know, that, that top, top end. And it's so much harder to do in college. You know, I think, you know, such a longer distance, which you know, requires a lot more uh, perfection you know in your training it requires a lot more volume that you got to get over and i was not you know as lucky with injury as i was right as i have been, i was not as lucky with injury in high school as i have been um on the college scene so there's all these reasons why you know i didn't think it was possible and that's i, I never really set my goal to be that you know i told my uh i think it was my uncle at, at thanksgiving dinner um i think you know when i just committed to stanford as a, as a senior in high school that there's a chance i'd never even make the team um and so that was just my goal is to to get there and work my way up the rankings and uh that's kind of what i did in high school was just try and work my way up the team and and once i worked my way up the team try and work my way up outside the team and uh that's also what i applied it, it was all a process of uh small steps that uh looking back on you can kind of see as this broader journey but you know i was never worried about anything except where i was headed next so one of my favorite sayings, it must be one of your favorite sayings because I feel like you put it everywhere. It's ad astra, which means it's a Latin phrase, to the stars through hardship. What does that phrase mean to you? It clearly means something because you put it out there all the time. Break down that, that saying and, and how it applies to you personally. Oh, absolutely. First of all, I'm going to be a little nerd here, and I think you have to add uh, per aspera for, it to, for that through hardship part. Um, but, I mean, it's when i was younger i always wanted to be an astronaut um so that's like a very a very 
personal thing I'm not sure I've ever really gotten into. Um, but that's sort of why I was gravitate or why I gravitated towards it originally. Um, was it was just kind of this way for me to to sort of preserve that dream of, you know, heading to this this new frontier, um, sort of pushing, you know, beyond boundaries and, and being some kind of great explorer. Um, and so I always wanted to do that in my training is is, you know, push my own boundaries you know, find out, you know, what I'm actually capable of and, uh, you know, hopefully doing something exceptional in the process. And so I think it just speaks to that, that, you know, constant, you know, desire in me to, to really try and do something special through, you know, as much hard work as I can possibly put in and, and to never really be done. So I know in my Instagram post, I just threw up, I said, and in asterisk, which is in the stars, you know, because I finally, finally got there, but, um, you know, I'll be right back to Ad Astra tomorrow. And, uh, <laughs> pining away you know trying to get to to whatever the next frontier is so um what was i gonna say i had a question oh the question i was gonna ask that's where editing comes in um looking back on this season uh, in everything you accomplished in the struggles and the hardships all the way up to the stars what are the biggest lessons you learned from this season oh absolutely um you know i think i think the biggest lesson for me was was to I want to say never give up I think I think it's a difficult one because you know there's a thousand ways that this couldn't have worked out and it did so I don't want to give bad advice you know per se but it felt like the, the closer I got you know to actually winning it the further away it felt just because you know I started to realize you know how hard it would be to actually pull it off you know what it would require and you know how long I'd have to to run or essentially traded that standard to, to really get there and out trade every single other person you know around me i think you know with enough talent and hard work it's it's if anything goes wrong i think you know if you get sick if you're really at that elite level you can kind of still you know salvage sometimes a kind of all-american performance like when i got the nosebleed out in the 10k you know it was really tough for me but but i was able to still you know remain in, in that caliber um but to win it you know you have to have everything work in your favor and then you have to beat everyone else that's had everything work in your favor and if anything goes wrong you're already you know a notch down from uh um that sort of perfect standard because there's just so many high level athletes in the ncaa now who are trying to trying to do the same thing you are so but i i never really let that get me down because i just you know for me i think i focused on enjoying myself you know enjoying the process just enjoy the fact that I was working as hard as I was and not over fixating on, you know, what am I going to get out of this? What is this going to give me that that's finally going to, you know, make me feel something different for me. I was just, you know, happy in my circumstances. And I think, you know, ironically not focusing on, on what I'm going to get out of it helped me, you know, get the most out of it. Um, and so, yeah, just finding, finding a system that works for you that you're happiest in is going to take you further than, you know, being miserable and trying to, you know, push through everything you possibly can. Um, because you're going to, you're going to give up eventually, you know, if it's, if it's not something you really enjoy. This, you might have to take a second to really think through this one, but if you had to describe your season in one sentence or two, what would it be? Oh, one sentence or two. That's interesting. I've, I've gotten the one word or twos. Those ones are a lot easier. Perfection for a moment, but now what's on the horizon? Oh, I love it. That's that. That's that Stanford. Speaking of this, uh, <laughs> this is really funny, uh, and I'm, I'm sure like teammates and stuff made fun of you for this. 
I, I, maybe his name's John Anderson. When you crossed the line, he said, like, Nerd Nation takes, takes the crown. What was that? What's it like watching the broadcast back? And, and have you even watched the race? And what's that like watching the race removed from it? But I found the Nerd That's- Nation thing hilarious. Oh, it's super funny. I knew that was that was our standard tagline for my mom for for many a year, so that didn't catch me too off guard. But um, what's funny is I actually when I whenever I watch races back, I I don't usually put any audio on. I like to listen to music and then just kind of just sit there and relax because you know it is they're they're very long, um, and it's like it's it's more engaging for me uh, to sort of just be jamming out in the background. But I have watched it back uh, a couple of times, you know. I, I watched it. I, I think I was already watching it on the plane flight back to California from Oklahoma. Um, but it's just one of those where you, you want to relish every moment. So, yeah, I have watched it back. I, I haven't listened to as much of the commentary because um, I prefer to listen you know, with music in the background. But, yeah, I thought ESPN did a phenomenal job. And they, they really do every year. But, yeah, I loved all, all the, the different kinds of footage and uh they had so many great stats up on the side, and, and uh, yeah, I think they did a tremendous job with the coverage. So I asked Coach Santos, I said, what are your bold predictions for the upcoming indoor and outdoor track seasons? And he paused and he said, it's just going to be fast. So what are your predictions for, for these upcoming seasons, and what are some of those those goals that now it's like, what what are the stars for you at this point going going into these seasons? Yeah, I think, you know, this, not much has changed. You know, I'm just going to try and keep – acting like I never won one and and my everything relies on me winning another and uh I'll uh I'll but as I said before I'll just keep focus on focusing on on the process that I enjoy so much you know how I can execute and get the most utility out of out of my body without sacrificing too much mental strain and uh and uh, just make sure I'm enjoying myself and uh you know living in the moment and and uh I think I think good things happen when when I kind kind of treat it kind of keep things you know lighter you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think i'm going to focus more on my on my process and uh we'll see what comes of it i love that i love that answer that's uh that's the process over outcomes mindset that wins you national championship so i appreciate it allegedly, allegedly. I, I gotta ask you you know i was asking you this months ago on strava every high school boy and girl was asking you this question when is the youtube channel coming back and uh what's what's the is it cool to think um you know i think they mentioned this on the espn broadcast hopefully you got some subscribers out of that but like uh what's it like to you know, really, I'm sure the the reason for starting the YouTube channel was documenting this journey and this process in this unique time period in life, which will probably be fun to share your kids and grandkids one day. And in winning a national championship is like, that's like the dream come true. So to have that dream come true and, and be able to potentially make a video on it, what's that like? And are you excited to, to make something around that documenting what you went through to, to achieve that? Oh yeah, there, there's definitely a video around the corner. Um, you know, I'm gonna make sure I do it right because this is such a such an important you know part of this journey. Um, but absolutely, I mean, it's 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 just hilarious to me because you know, I was documenting the journey just because I thought it was interesting. You know, just being a Stanford student athlete, and I thought that'd be interesting in, in of itself. Um, but it has evolved, you know, beyond that uh, because of things you know I've been able to do um, outside of the channel and. And even you know in the channel crazy stuff has happened like getting a million views on that that one day in the life video it's just yeah it's just weird stuff that seems to keep happening to me so um yeah i'll, I'll definitely i'll definitely be back there you know i think you know when i get to a time in my life um 
where I'm not as slammed with school, I will be consistently posting there. Uh, so hopefully everyone's patience will be rewarded. But in the meantime, I'm getting videos out, you know, whenever I can and and uh, trying to make sure that, that I'm able to, to do everything else I need to do, you know, in the meantime. But yeah, I love the YouTube. I love everybody that's on there. Somehow, you know, it's still not, not toxic in any way. You know, that was my biggest fear, you know, um, with making a channel like that. I've had nothing but positive experiences there. And, uh, yeah, so there's definitely going to be a video, video soon, and uh, it will have a long, healthy life uh, in the future. Good. Uh, yeah, I will say to listeners, like normally most of my podcasts, it's really a deep dive into the person's career from their start in the sport of running and kind of going, kind of documenting their, their journey in the sport so far. This podcast has been so different and so unique and basically just me asking you questions about this past season in an hour. So I'll definitely have to get you back on the podcast in the future when you have more time to really dissect young Charles and, and maybe some subjects that I thought I would ask you when I first reached out in July, whereas this one's more specific topics. But two fun questions to top off the episode. One is a listener question, and it's in relation to YouTube. Charles, don't hold back on this answer. They, they ask something like, who has the better channel, you or Lex and Leo? Oh, I think Lex and Leo. That's super easy. Um, you know, I think my channel's got more, you know, weird gems in there as i said with the, the the random videos that pop off every once in a while but lex and leo just do such a good job and they just have like a great energy too right you know, i think every video is more fun you know the more people that are in it so i try and get you know what i can you know videos with with you know a couple of my friends in there but uh you know it's kind of embarrassing sometimes you know trying to get over <laughs> that hump of just feeling awkward you know on camera and i think they do a super good job of uh you know getting over that hump just you know bring you in on that vibe of just two chill brothers hanging out um, and, and doing all this super cool stuff that those guys get up to. So yeah, absolutely check out Lex and Leo's channel. Um, it's so cool what they're doing and they're so consistent. And what's crazy to me is I have a ton more free time um, in college than I did in high school just because like how long you have to spend in school, but they get it done somehow. So I imagine their channel's gonna take off. Uh, thankfully that they're under the same roof at stanford uh so yeah definitely check them out lex and leo by far uh, <laughs> but maybe i'll, I'll give them some competition soon we'll see. yeah we'll see we'll see um my final question i ask every single guest this question topping off the episode the question is if you had gordon ramsay coming over for dinner what would you choose to make for him oh dude he's gonna be mad i am a terrible chef i'd probably make him uh oats with granola in it and brown sugar and banana and uh or microwave sticky rice with microwave lentils that's those are those are my two those are my two best meals that i make right now i love them so that's all that matters to me and uh yeah gordon there's there's probably gonna be a decent amount of censoring on that episode well charles again it's been an absolute pleasure making this episode uh come to life it's been awesome chatting with you you're an incredible man i've heard so many good things about you from so many people and then to actually have you on the podcast and your your insightful wisdom and you stick into the journey and the process is really inspiring my sincere congratulations on this first title i'm sure many more to come and we'll be here to document it all the way so I appreciate you uh, you coming on the podcast today. And not only do I look forward to getting you back on the podcast whenever that might be, but I look forward to seeing all the incredible things that God has in store for you in these coming years. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I look forward to coming back soon.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, you can like, subscribe, share the show with a friend or two, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and even share it on social media if you enjoyed it that much. That way we can hopefully reach new listeners and inspire them in the process. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Exact Health and Gooder, two incredible brands. I highly suggest scrolling down in the show notes and checking both of them out. Until next episode, guys, I hope your training and running is going well, and I will catch you all then.